And now, Audio Theater Central. Hello, welcome to Audio Theater Central. This is the show that's all about family-friendly audio drama. I'm JD, and this is episode 174. Well, first of all, I do want to apologize that this episode is late, and that is because I got COVID and... Uh, it beat me up pretty good, and I was uh, I was down for the count for a, a couple of weeks. I am still recovering, and my voice is a little bit off, but I hope that won't detract too much from the content that um, I have to share with you in this episode. So let me give you a rundown of what we're going to cover. I've got an interview with the creator of the audio drama, A Bit of Time Travel, Ben Kempf. That's coming up a little bit later in the show. And we're going to get to some feedback from you all about your favorite Christmas audio dramas. This was really fun to hear from some of you in the ATC community about your favorite Christmas stories. So we're going to get to that. And I've got some audio drama tidbits here very shortly. And at the end of the show, please stick around because I've got some really important updates and news about the future of this show that I want to share with you. So Be sure to stick around to the end for that. All right, let's jump into these updates. Well, last month in November, Rose Beasley over at the Odyssey Moments podcast released a beautiful, beautiful Will Ryan tribute episode. It was the one year anniversary of Will's passing, and she put together such a a wonderful look back at some of the uh, the best Eugene episodes and just different uh, people in the community's uh, remembrances of Will Ryan and of the character of Eugene Meltzner. And if you did not hear that, do yourself a favor, go give that a listen. It was very well produced and uh, it, it was a really nice, enjoyable uh, episode to, to listen to and, and uh, remember the the wonderfully talented Mr. Will Ryan. And speaking of AIO, last month on the 21st was also the 35th birthday of Adventures in Odyssey. This uh, amazing program that we all love started in 1987. And I wrote a post in case you missed that. It's on the ATC blog, kind of just sharing some of my recollections from my journey over the years of listening to Adventures in Odyssey. So uh, if you if you missed that, go ahead and give that a read and 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 share some of your thoughts uh, on the show and what it has meant to you. We'd love to hear from you. Well, looking ahead, we've got some really great stuff coming up. A brand new audio drama series called A Friend from Woodgrove from Michael Lefevre and Ryan Matlock is coming out very soon. And the first episode will be dropping on December 31st this year, 2022, and it is called Double Date. Now, Michael is playing one of the lead characters in that show. You'll also hear uh, another familiar voice, Trisha Rose, who we've been hearing from a lot lately in the audio drama community. So that is something to look forward to. You can find out more information about how to get that episode and what's coming up in the series at their website, afriendfromwoodgrove.com. And here is a little teaser for that show. Peter. Yes, hon? Let him go. 
Okay? Uh, let him go. We need to make sure we don't meddle. I'm sure he'll tell us as much as he wants to about his first date when he gets home. I want to be able to figure this stuff out for myself. If you trust your dad, listen to what he says. You broke our trust, Grant. Dad, it just slipped my mind. I thought you trusted Grant enough to let him be on his own. I can't believe he just did that. Do you think this is right? You were just at the restaurant and the fair by accident? From the visionary duo of Michael LeFevre and Ryan Matlock. Just finish your poached eggs on toast, okay? Comes an all-new, family-friendly audio drama. Just relax. Let yourself have a good time. Starring Peter Fazari, Trisha Rose, Unique DeKrieger, Katie Daynert, Alicia Hansen, Jonathan Cook, A Friend from Woodgrove. Episode 1, Double Date. Available December 31st at afriendfromwoodgrove.com. Also coming up soon, from Legacy Radio Theater, they are releasing their next production in their Sherlock Holmes line, and it is an adaptation of The Speckled Band, one of the most famous Sherlock Holmes short stories. And I've already heard it. It's really well done. The acting is is really, really good. The the Holmes and Watson in this uh, in this adaptation are quite, quite enjoyable. So that's coming up. It'll be hitting Drama 5 first. So if you're on Dramafy, you'll be able to stream it there, but it will have a public release uh, shortly thereafter. But that's something else to look forward to here very soon. Now, speaking of Dramafy, they are releasing a Dramafy produced exclusive, which is a new production of the Miracle on 34th Street script from the old time radio days. They are reproducing that and it is being released in three acts. So that is a really fun story that a lot of people are familiar with. And of course, the old time radio version has been around for decades, but they are, you know, updating it. It's a modern production. And um, what I've heard from it so far is, is really well done. So I'm sure you will enjoy that as well. And while we're talking about Christmas audio drama, Insight for Living is offering a free MP3 download of their their amazing Christmas audio drama that we've talked about here on the show in the past, A Bethlehem Christmas, only in this month of December. There's a link in the show notes. You want to go grab that. It is a really, really well done audio drama that you do not want to miss. And if you're listening to this in the future and and this deal is no longer available, you still want to go ahead and grab this, you know, go ahead and purchase it because it is worth it. It's just an amazing look at the Christmas story from a, a little bit of a different perspective than we, we might usually hear. And uh, so I highly recommend you checking that out. Well, the Lamplighter Theater team just recently recorded their next audio drama. It is called Shipwrecked But Not Lost. It is available for pre-order now, and you're going to hear some familiar voices in this one, Nato Jacobson, Gary Nation, and also a couple of uh, newer actors into the audio drama space, Logan Paulson and Dominic Trice. Dominic is the creative force behind St. Benedict Radio Theater and their Father Brown stories, but he is making his Lamplighter Theater debut in this production, so... Really excited to hear this one. It's going to be coming out very soon. And again, it is available for pre-order now. Link in the show notes if you want to go ahead and get in line to get your copy. Also, there are still a few sales that are going on end of the year. 
We do this roundup post every year before Black Friday to keep you informed about all the deals that are going on. And many of them run through the end of the year. So that post is linked in the show notes here. If you want to go and check out and see what other sales might be still running throughout the end of the year to grab some great audio drama. Well, back to the Christmas-themed audio dramas. The Merry Beggars, who released their adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol last year, they have now put it together as a podcast feed, so you can go ahead and subscribe to that, get those episodes. Last year, it was only available through their website, but now you can go ahead and access it via a podcast feed. And you can go to themerrybeggars.com slash Christmas to subscribe or get the links there. But what is unique about their adaptation is they released it as what they're calling an audio advent calendar. So they split up the story into multiple days and they release a section of it each day. And it has Dickens actually telling the story. So it's a a, a kind of a cool twist on a classic that everybody is familiar with. So I, I really like what they're doing with this one. Another show that has been re-released as a podcast is Sandy and Denny Brownlee's Guess Who's Coming for Christmas. We talked about this show several years back, and it is a very, very funny Christmas audio drama that kind of just highlights the chaos around the holidays and quirks w- w- amongst family members and stuff like that. It's it's really fun, but they are releasing that as a free podcast this year. So grab that one as well. Link is in the show notes. Guess Who's Coming for Christmas I think you're going to really find this one a lot of fun. Also, another Christmas audio drama, Three Christmas Trees from Markiewicz Audio Works. This is a 30-minute audio drama, an adaptation of a piece of classic literature of the same title, and I have listened to it. It is a really heartwarming and just a charming little story that really highlights, you know, the just the the beauty of this time of year and there are, again, some some familiar names, Trisha Rose showing up again in this one, and Rachel Pulliam as well. So link is in the show notes if you want to grab this audio drama as well. Now, this next item is really, really interesting, and I was hesitant to even talk about it here on the show because I don't want this to be construed as a blanket endorsement, but what these producers are doing is very interesting. And so I, th- I thought it was worth talking about from that point of view. And that is, there is a video game company called Unknown Worlds Entertainment who teamed up with a well-known, successful science fiction and fantasy author, Brandon Sanderson, to create a world, a, a video game world, and characters and backstories for this video game called Moonbreaker. Now, why am I talking about a video game here on ATC? Well, it's because... The creators then worked with another author and friend of Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, to write some original audio drama episodes based around the characters in the video game. Now, it is a digital tabletop strategy game. I have no interest in the video game itself whatsoever, but this idea of using an audio drama to promote this new video game and get the players engrossed in in this game world is such an interesting thing to me. And I always like seeing new 
innovative uses of audio drama, which was one of the reasons why I really liked what Rivercross was doing, using audio drama as a teaching tool, but not not in a you know beat you over the head kind of teaching way. The way they integrated these lessons into their stories was so fascinating to me. And so seeing this group here on Known Worlds Entertainment, working with Dan Wells and writing a brand new, all original audio dramas based around characters for this video game, it's just so so cool to see new things being done with the audio drama medium. Now, the audio drama is called Moonbreaker Tales from the Reaches, and I've listened to the first couple of episodes, and and the reason why I say I don't want you to take this as a blanket endorsement of this is because I don't know where the story is going, and I cannot for sure say that every one of these episodes are going to be clean and family-friendly. I don't know. However, I did listen to the first episode, and it it was uh, very intriguing. There was nothing questionable in it. They are saying that the show will be appropriate for families, but, you know, everybody's definition of that is a little bit different and it doesn't always line up with the ATC definition of family-friendly. So, all of that to say, if you do check this out, just know that you're proceeding at your own risk. But I just brought this up because, I, again, I think it's just an interesting use of the audio drama medium. And I just like seeing people do new things. All right, so let's move on to our final bit of news. And this one is really exciting. And that is because The Brinkman Adventures is releasing season nine of their show. It's called Straight On Till Dawn. Six brand new episodes coming very soon. And I got to say the cover, the album art on this one is just gorgeous. I love the artwork on this one. Their team has always done really great work on the on the cover art. And I just really, really like this one a lot. This album will be available for purchase just within the next few days. But that is not all of the exciting news, and that's because I am teaming up with the Brinkman's team, and we are we are going to do a live interactive premiere on Friday, the 16th of December, 2022, at 6 p.m. Central. That's Friday, the 16th of December, 2022, at 6 p.m. Central, and we're going to be premiering a brand new Christmas episode from this album, Season 9. The episode is called Peppy the Christmas Cat. This is a really fun, heartwarming Christmas story that I know you're going to love. I've heard it already, and it is really, really fun. And this is going to be a lot of fun because we're going to play the episode for you. I'll be here in my studio in Phoenix. Their team is going to be in their studio in Wisconsin. We're going to remote them in play the episode, and then you'll get a chance to ask questions of uh, some of the cast and the crew members about this episode in a chat. So it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to this episode together with you. Please put this on your calendar and come join us. It's going to be so much fun. Again, the, the whole album, Straight On Till Dawn, is going to be available, and we're going to be premiering Peppy the Christmas Cat. It's going to be so, so fun. I don't want you to miss out on this. So be sure to join us Friday, December 16th, 6 p.m. Central. There's a link in the show notes to join the session and chat with other listeners and ask questions. It's going to be a lot of fun. So again, link is in the show notes to join that live stream interactive premiere. All right. With all of that said, let's go ahead and bring Ben Kempf onto the show and talk about a bit of time travel. 
Well, I'm really excited to have Ben Kempf on the show today. He is an, a longtime audio drama reviewer, and he's an audio drama producer. He's a member of the Audio Drama Alliance. He's the creator of the, the show, A Bit of Time Travel. And so I wanted to have him come on to talk a little bit about being an independent producer in the, in the space these days, and specifically talk a little bit about his release the two-parter, The Architect, because there is a Christmas tie-in to this show, and I thought it was a great time. Hey, it's Christmas time, so let's talk about Christmas stories. So, Ben, thanks for, for thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. So, you've been reviewing Adventures and Odyssey episodes for a very long time, and your current website is odysseyandabroad.com, which... I always enjoy reading your reviews. They're always insightful, and I, I like hearing your perspectives. And so I was just curious if we could talk a little bit about AIO before we dive into your show. And I, I was wondering, do you have a favorite side character from the series? Now, not like a, a, a you know one of the main characters, but a, a recurring character that has shown up here and there, but not necessarily one of the major ones. That is a tough question. <laughs> Does Harlow count? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I I was just thinking the other day how Harlow is was such a an un, underrated character and and uh, yeah, I sort of, I sort of wish we had heard more from Harlow in in, in yeah. recent years. And uh, I I think a lot of people maybe liked uh, Officer David Harley better or or sort of <laughs> thought as Harlow as sort of a. a a copy or an imitation of that character, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think Harlow is is definitely underrated, and I I still laugh a lot at uh, at his episodes. So uh, yeah, Harlow Doyle. Yeah, I think that's a good choice, and I think that criticism is fair that he's basically a copy of David Harley. He's a more goofy version of that character. So what what would you say to the people who think that Harlow doesn't belong in this show because he is too much of a caricature and too much on the cartoony side? Well, I would say they're they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I you know I, I'm sure I, I think at some point I thought Wooten was too cartoony for the show, mm -hmm. uh, and I think just because I I grew up and Harlow was on the show. Uh, I was listening to the show at a young age and he was on there. I, I didn't find him too cartoony. I, I thought he was a, a good addition to the show. So yeah, I think he fits. I think he's a great character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on your, on your website, you have a page that is titled the 150 greatest episodes of all time, which is quite a list. And as I was looking over it, I, I would have to agree uh, with the majority of them. I think, you got some really, really great episodes on there. And I know that you say on, on the page that your definition here for, for greatest are basically your favorites, your 150 favorite episodes. But what, were there any other criteria? What sort of criteria did you use as you were trying to compile this list? Yeah, it's a pretty subjective list. I, I understand that these are not the greatest Odyssey episodes. They're, they're just the ones I like the most uh, and the ones that I tend to want to revisit. Obviously, there's an aspect of nostalgia there. You know, I just find over time, like the ones at the very top of the list, Someone to Watch Over Me, The Perfect Witness, or uh, The Mortal Coil, those ones just, they never seem to age or get old every time I revisit them. And that happens to some episodes. There's some episodes I, I, I listen to the first time, and I think they're great. And over time, they just don't, uh, they don't have that longevity. 
uh, Lamb's Tale is one that I I thought was just amazing uh, uh, when I first heard it, and over time I just you know it's it's not as as special as it used to be. So it, it is a very subjective list. Uh, it's not one that I think everyone has to agree with. Sure. Yeah. Personally, someone to watch over me is is probably in my top five as well. You have it at number two for your list. And some of the other ones in your, just in your top 10, like Waylaid in the Windy City, Malachi's Message, Case of the Secret Room. I mean, these are, these are iconic ones that I think most people would generally agree that these episodes belong somewhere near the top of the list. So I think it's a great list. And there's a link in the show notes for people to go check this out if they haven't already, but it's a really, really good list. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say there are any controversial choices, at least in the first 50 uh, episodes I have listed. I, I you know, I, I don't think I have, you know, push the red button. I, I think that's one that I, I think is pretty uh, divisive. And, yeah. you know, that episodes like that aren't aren't in my top 50 or, or 100 even. I think, I mean, that one definitely works as a live show, but maybe not the best as an actual episode of the show. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, again, there's a link in the show notes uh, if you want to check out that list. And uh, let's let's talk about a bit of time travel. If you have not heard this show, you're missing out. It's it's a fantastic audio drama. There is, of course, a link in the show notes to head over and check this out. But I'm going to read your uh, summary, your pitch for the show that you have. It says, what would you do if you had a time machine? Would you use it for something important? Or would you use it to do something a bit trivial or even a bit silly? Join us as we hear stories of those who traveled through time and the lessons they learned along the way. So that gives you a little idea of what you are going for, 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 or with this project, but you've been reviewing, as I said a moment ago, you've been reviewing AIO for, for many years. When did you first think about making your own audio drama? Well, I started to think about making my own audio drama a few years after I had decided that I wouldn't make any audio dramas. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I had always had a dream that I would, uh, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, I was always writing scripts for audio dramas just for fun. And I knew that, 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 that was something that I wanted to do when I was, when I was older. And I, you know, I studied writing and script writing in school, you know, thinking that that might prepare me for some sort of, you know, writing job at some point. But I think the problem with having dreams is that you don't actually know if they're possible until you're older, right? So you tend to learn quickly that people aren't putting up want ads for audio drama writers. And and it's it's really all about who you know, right? Mm. And so after pursuing that for a bit after school, and, you know, just getting maybe a couple of TV gigs, I sort of decided to pause that dream and, and sort of pursue a nine to five job. Uh, that was unrelated to audio dramas, and and it was sort of a few years while working at this job that I, I you know I started to think, you know why don't I just make my own audio drama? Nobody knows who I am, and nobody has any reason to hire me <laughs> for their audio drama. You know if you don't do it now, then you're probably never going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's pretty much when I decided to create a bit of time travel. And I'm glad you did. <laughs> Because I really enjoy the show. So, what was it? What was the inspiration for centering this whole thing around time travel? It's a good question. I, I'm not sure because I'm not even a big science fiction fan. 
mm-hmm. I sort of sat down and thought, you know, I, I wondered what kind of show do you want this to be? And I, I decided that I wanted it to be an anthology series uh, because I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be a professional level quality show at the very beginning. You know, I didn't want a very serialized show where you had to listen to the first episode to understand the rest of the show. Mm. I can think of a few few shows where I didn't continue listening to because the creator was still figuring things out in the in the first few episodes. You know, they were still learning sound design. They were still learning script writing or, or directing and all those things. So I, I wanted a show where people could start listening to the most recent episode. They didn't have to start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, at some point, I decided to make it about time travel, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure why I did that. At the time, I was thinking that everybody was making time travel very dramatic. You know, people were going back in time and for very, for very dramatic reasons. So, like, to save the world or to, to assassinate somebody or to, to prevent World War II. And, and I was thinking that it'd be interesting to create a show where people were going back in time for completely inconsequential reasons. Uh-huh. So, like, going back in time and taking advantage of, like, a 50% off sale or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And so I th- at the very beginning I I was thinking that the name of the show would be Dumb Time Travel. And that was the original title of the show because it was you know just going back in time for for inconsequential reasons. But we ended up changing that to a bit of time travel because I didn't want to be I wanted the show to at least have the possibility of doing something else. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I sort of sat down and wrote a, a 12-page script. It was the first episode was called the Lama Hatch laugh, and I decided to limit the number of characters in it because I I didn't know any actors to to act in it. I used an old cheap USB mic that I had, you know, bought a few musical tracks and sort of edited together on Adobe Audition, and then I just released it, and uh, that's sort of how the the first episode was made. Yeah, and it's it is a really fun story, and and it's funny because you say well that you're not really much of a sci-fi fan, and and I'm not either. Uh, although there are some sci-fi stories that I do enjoy, but although time travel is integral to the show, it's not really about time travel. It's about the people. And that's what I really mm. like about it. And each one of these episodes are really focusing on just ordinary people's lives. And like it says on on the on the package, so to speak, it's what would you do if you had access to this thing? How would you use it to change your life? And I don't know if it's necessarily your goal, but there's always some really thought-provoking ramifications for this. And and again, it's not like these huge, massive, take-over-the-world kind of plots. It's It's how does this particular technology affect these few people here in this one location? And that's what I think draws me into it so much. And um, I, I really do enjoy it a lot. And I, I also think you made a really good call uh, with the narrator because, and, and longtime listeners know that I am not a fan of narrator-driven shows, but <laughs> this is an exception. It's one of those times where the narrator is used so well, he is a character. Like, he's not necessarily a character in the story, but... He is such a character. It, it almost reminds me of the way the narrator is used in Jungle Jam, how he has such a personality and he 
not just steers the the story, but there's just something about him. And the voice of the narrator as well is just perfect. It fits the 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 vibe, so to speak, of the of the program so well. Uh, so so kudos to you for that. I think I think it's really well done. Well, thanks. I I think the uh, yeah our narrator is doing a great job, and I think it's sort of the result of not having a lot of resources, right? Of not knowing a lot of actors. And so you have to limit things, right? You have to, you know, if you didn't have a narrator, you'd have to have, you know, a lot of different characters sort of to, to take that place or to, to move the story along, right? And so in some ways, the the narrator is, is making up for a, a weakness that we had, right? Or the fact that we didn't have all these actors at our disposal. Well, it's just an example of certain constraints on a, on a creative project resulting in figuring out how to overcome that mm-hmm. in a creative way and and making you do something that you might not have chosen to do at the outset but it makes the thing better. Right. Yeah, I think I I definitely agree with you. I I think narration there has to be this element there that that makes it a little bit more interesting than just somebody telling the events of what's happening. And so, yeah, that is definitely something we we try to do is just to keep the narrator somewhat interesting and 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 having his his own humor. Yeah. And um, it, you know, it sort of changes episode to episode. Obviously, in our, our our most recent episode, the architect, we sort of had to dial down the the humor, and and uh, we needed a narrator that was just a more stereotypical narrator that was sort of explaining the the events that were happening. Uh, just because it was such a dramatic episode and we were dealing with more serious themes that we, we couldn't mm-hmm. have him be distracting uh, to the audience. Yeah, dropping a joke, right, when something super serious is happening or something like that. <laughs> right, yeah. So what would you say are some of the challenges, aside from that that fact there that you mentioned about going the route of a narrator, but what are some of the other challenges overall in terms of either writing or post-production or whatever, however you want to approach it. But some of the challenges that you've had to face as an independent producer and, and trying to make something that's of high quality. I know it's a huge, huge process. I mean, you're, you're doing pretty much everything you're writing, you know, directing, doing all post-production. So it's a, it's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest challenge is, is having to learn everything on your own. Uh, because you, you know, I, I am providing a free audio drama, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, uh, make money from this project. I, I, you know, I don't have the luxury of, you know, big budget or any budget that you can outsource certain tasks to people and the people who are, who are the best at those, at those tasks. So, the only way to to get the the project done is to try to learn as much as possible and, and that's that's difficult the most challenging thing for me was sound design i feel like it's a an area that i'm still learning about and i still have a lot to learn you know i, I feel like it's easy being a listener and criticizing other people's audio dramas for <laughs> maybe sounding technically subpar but when you're forced to work on sound design for your own show you 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 find yourself humbled because although you know that your show may not sound the same as like a lamplighter or uh, a radio theater, you have no idea how to get it to that level, right? Mm-hmm. So you can listen to your show and then listen to to you know a lamplighter and compare them side by side, and you're like, my you know my show doesn't quite 
sound like that? And how do I get it there? And I think it's only after a lot of time and a lot of practice that you start to learn about, you know, different microphones or audio interfaces or EQ or compression and all that stuff that you can, you can have the knowledge uh, that you need to, to get it there. But there's just so many things that you don't know right away. Yeah. In some ways, I wish I could go back to those first audio dramas and, and, and I guess I could, but you know, you know, remix them or, or change them, you know, with the knowledge that of, of what I know now, but uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that, that for me was just a, a, a difficult challenge. Yeah, and it's I'm sure it's given you more of an appreciation for these other high high budget productions and what all goes into making them. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think there's there's definitely a difference between, you know, being a, a someone who is a a critic of audio drama and uh someone who who actually has to create one. It's very different. Yeah. I should have I should have said this at the top too, but I, you know you also worked on Greenhorn Tales season one, and uh, did fantastic job with with those episodes. And uh, this just popped into my head. I'm just curious, what was the what the most challenging sound design moment for for a Greenhorn Tales episode that you did? I'd say the episode Gauntlets and Goldfish. I feel like trying to create the sound design for the the Gauntlet was definitely the one of the most challenging things because I didn't own one and you don't uh, have a suit of armor in your I, in I your didn't bedroom? have a suit of, yeah I didn't have a suit of armor at home uh, and so I, I sort of had to find two pieces of metal that squeaked and sort of <laughs> move them around I also know there's there's a, a scene where someone is playing a game on their phone oh no sorry he's on a website and he's wanting to to order one and I thought that piece of sound design was was a, a bit tricky. Yeah, I remember we talked about how how to approach that. Do we want to have the phone make sounds or do we not? You know, and so you ended up going with it, and I think it worked because it's it is tough because most people they don't have that in real life. You know, your your phone doesn't necessarily make noise every, everything every time you do something. You might have the the haptic feedback turned on where it'll vibrate if you when you press a button or whatever, but Generally, most phones don't make noise, but in an audio drama, sometimes you have to do things that are not necessarily reflective of real life, just so you can help it tell the story and get the listener to understand what's going on. Yeah, it, it was definitely the the texting noises. That was one that the swiping and the texting noises on the phone, that was one where I thought it was a bit of a challenge. I think it worked out well, but just having to create your own because I... I I didn't think that's one that I could, you know, just record the sound on my own phone, right? I think those yeah. are all, uh, I don't think they're, you know, in the public domain or anything like that, right? So, mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, it definitely worked. And uh, thanks for, for indulging my little uh, rabbit trail there. But <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to a bit of time travel. So let's talk about The Architect because it's been a year since that the that two-parter has come out and it is tied into Christmas. And so I thought this was a good time to talk a little bit about it. And if you haven't heard this episode, we may get a little bit into spoilery territory. So if you don't want any spoilers at all, then, you know, maybe, maybe jump ahead and, and skip the rest of this conversation. But I, I thought, you know, it's been a year, so let's go ahead and, and, and talk about it a little bit more in detail. So if you haven't heard it or if it's been a while, 
I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer for it so you can uh, have a little bit of a refresher. There's a unique, otherworldly beauty that ruins have, wouldn't you agree? A beauty that makes us stand back in awe at the sight of them, even today. That is how I hope the world sees our buildings one day. Imagine it. If done properly, those standing at the end of time would think our buildings had been built very near the beginning of it. What was that? What happened to the plane? Welcome to ancient Greece. 490 BC, to be exact. How can you believe your absence has been worth it? Where I come from, we have a king, and he will turn us into a mighty people. If you had walked in there, I would have allowed the crowd outside to tear you to pieces. So, in this, in this two-part episode, we follow the story of Kurt Obermann as he heads into a job interview with Nazi architect... Albert Speer on January 28th, 1934. But this encounter is not as it first appears, as Kurt quickly finds himself on a dangerous path filled with dread, destruction, and death. If you had to sum up the architect in one sentence, what would it be? What, what is the essence of this story? This is a story that's essentially about how people have been trying to avoid their own mortality since the beginning of time, and that one of the ways people often try to live forever is is through their own accomplishments. And in this case, their architectural accomplishments. You know, just trying to build the most elaborate, you know, majestic thing that they can and, and trying to find sort of this, this sense of, of purpose and, and fulfillment through that. Uh, but I want to show that this sort of pursuit is is ultimately pointless because our own accomplishments tend to be no more immortal than... Uh, than we are. And in the second half of the story, I want to show our main character uh, being presented with uh, another option, this other point of view that has much more of a, an eternal significance than, than architecture. Um, it, it's, it's sort of a story that I want to contrast what people were trying to accomplish through their, their architecture and just uh, compare that to how uh, basically to the nativity story and how a, a king decided not to be born inside of this great temple or this this great palace, but decide to be born, you know, in a stable, right? Yeah. So uh, that that's basically the essence of what I was going for. Yeah. And so the, the architecture is a metaphor for doing any sort of, you know, building of, of your own of your own legacy or, or, or however, you, however you want to interpret that. So are, are you interested in architecture at all personally? I'm just curious. I was, I was in order to, to write this, I, I had to be interested. I, I'm not very good at, at writing about things I'm not interested in. People often talk about write what you know. I think, uh, write what you want to learn about is a good one too. Yeah. Uh, it sort of it sort of keeps you interested from uh, the entire time that you're writing, and so architecture, art. I mean, I took those those courses in school, and I, I thought it was really interesting. But you know, the more I researched this during the you know the the writing process, the, the more interesting it became. Well, how much research did you do? Well, in, into Speer specifically, and and the Nazi movement in general, because 
it kind of revolves around Albert Speer, but not entirely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically the whole episode. In some ways, it's it's sort of a crash course in architecture and uh, Nazi architecture and and Greek and Roman architecture a little bit, and sort of showing the yeah. connections. It was quite a bit of research. I started off just reading about the the connection between Nazi architecture and Roman architecture, and then that led me to read about Albert Speer, who was, you know, the real life architect for Hitler. And I so I read through his autobiography, and then after that, that led me to, you know, read about uh, like Herodian architecture and a bit about I, I talk a bit about, you know, French architecture as well. And so yeah, it was, there was quite a bit of research, but yeah, it was it was all very interesting. Yeah, and it doesn't come across as like a a class on architecture at all. It's sprinkled into the story where applicable and. And not just dumped on you all at once. So I, I think it, it works really well. But I'm personally, I love beautiful architecture as well. So I I found it all very fascinating. Did you have any reservations about setting a story using, well, for one, real life characters or real life people from history? And two, uh, using a Nazi as a main character. <laughs> uh, I did. It, it was definitely something that I felt like. I felt okay writing about having a protagonist that was fictional, you know, Kurt Oberman, and, you know, just having his character, you know, go through the journey that he did. And then just to use Albert Speer as, you know, just retaining a lot of what Albert Speer believed, uh, Mm -hmm. or at least through his, you know, what was written in his autobiography. You know, I, I felt okay about adding this sort of like, this fictional sort of like hypothetical, well, what if he was using a time machine to do his research, right? And yeah. I, and I, f- I felt okay doing that um, because I think everybody knows that that's that's completely made up and <laughs> that's not that's not really what happened, you know. In reality, I, I I think he he was he was someone who visited these places uh, for himself and sort of went around Europe and 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 gained that knowledge himself and. Um, and then drew inspiration from what he saw while visiting these places. Yeah. And so what I just did was change that and say, well, what if he didn't actually visit those places himself? What if it was if he had this other guy use a time machine to to discover those things for him, right? Yeah. And so it, it was this tough sort of a balancing act where you had to decide what you were going to make up and what you were going to to retain. And I, I feel like as long as I retain sort of what what these people's sort of ideologies were, yeah, then I felt okay about that. You know, yeah, a lot of what you listen to in this story is a, is a lot of what uh, Albert Speer really believed, and 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 his his speech at the very end of and, and part two when he's he has this huge disappointment that it was all for all for nothing, and that. The moment he says he in his book he talks about saying goodbye to to Hitler and just basically instead of being told thanks for everything you've done, being told, Oh, so you're leaving Alvitazen and sort of just mm. sort of waves him away as if he was nothing. And 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 that that is in his book and, and he, he talks about just this this huge disappointment and this huge disappointment that that everything they had built was for nothing and and nothing in the end really was built and what they did build was eventually destroyed over time. 
and so there 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 is that aspect where he he sort of felt this uh this emptiness and so th- those are parts that i want to to retain and yeah but it is a good question i think it's a good question when incorporating real real people who lived um how much you can change and and uh whether you even should incorporate uh real people and i think th- that's a tough question i i don't have sort of a a clear answer of how other people should handle that yeah well i don't think it's a one size fits all kind of an answer for that i mean i think it's very dependent on the project and and the goal of it yeah and, and you know i think i mean you see that all the time in and sort of imagination station stories too you know even the episode lincoln uh, did did Lincoln know Jimmy Barkley, and did they go squirrel hunting? No, yeah. they, they didn't. But they, uh, I like to think that it was sort of like that. That was sort of similar to how we handled things too, where you had a fictional character, and then you had sort of a real character, and um, you you try to retain some truth, but you you add an element there that's that's fictional and and that's sort of uh, adventurous and uh, yeah. I think we ended up striking a good balance there. Yeah. And just to compliment the cast as well, you had Peter Fazari as our our main character of Kurt Oberman, Jonathan Cook as as Spear and uh they they both did fantastic on on those characters. I mean, as you mentioned them that that scene with Spear towards the end where he's kind of reflecting back uh on the futility of everything that he'd done. And the performance there was fantastic, and and Peter as well has a couple of scenes where where Kurt has got some very uh, soul searching type of moments as well, and both these guys just nailed it. Yeah, I I, I thought um, everyone did a great job, and and I was very lucky to you know have these people in this production. Um, everyone volunteered. Most of the cast were people who you know I I didn't have to contact and ask or, or, or beg, they reached out to me and said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to help out with this. Uh, just, just let me know what, what part you want me to play. And, and so that was, that was really great. And I, I think, I think what's great too is, is those, those two voices, Jonathan Cook and Peter Fazari's voices, I think they, they really work together in a scene. I find yeah. um, a lot of voices, I think sound really similar to together in a scene sometimes, or two leads can often sound very similar. I, I felt you know the their their voices just really had a great uh, a great balance. Yep. But yeah, I thought they I thought they did a great job. And you had other recognizable names like Glenn Haskell and Boyd Barrett. Uh, Trisha Rose is in there as well. And uh, so yeah, just a great casting there, and it's really just a, a, enjoyable to listen to. I mean, because it's just uh, I, it's your best release yet, in in, in my opinion. I, I I think it's fantastic. Oh, thanks. So we talked a little bit about some of the themes and, and some of the characters and stuff, but where did the actual idea for telling this kind of story come from to begin with? Was it you wanted to do a Christmas story or did that come later? We had just finished the fourth episode, uh, The Centimorgans in the Crypt. I had started writing our, our next episode and it, and it was a three-part Western and it took me over two months to write the Western and I, it was done and I showed it to some people and, you know, I didn't get the reaction that I, that I wanted <laughs> from that script. <laughs> and so I, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't just uh, try to produce that, uh, 
that script. And so I sort of sat down and I I thought, well, maybe I can just go back to that idea later and and, and I'll just think of another idea. And, and uh, I had an idea in my mind for a long time and it was basically, what if the Nazis had a time machine and they just happened to stumble upon the nativity story? Hmm. And and that was just the idea I've, I've I had for I, I guess a few years, and I wondered, you know, what would happen next? Um, what would they do with this knowledge? How would that moment change them? Would they try to use that that knowledge of the nativity story for you know to to try to win the war, or what what would they do? And 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 so I, I started just sort of workshopping that idea with with the the show's composer, uh, and then that that conversation led me to, you know, start researching uh, about architecture and, and all that. And then everything, I, I felt this script, this script was actually one of the fastest ones I, I wrote because Ooh. every time, every time I did research, another piece of the puzzle just sort of was, uh, was introduced. And so the, the, the story just fell into place really easily that I, I, uh, so so easily that it was actually quite funny. It, no, I don't think any other script I had written sort of fell together that uh, that well as this one did. Um, huh. Because every time I had a question about, well, how how am I going to handle this scene? Then I I do more research and 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 find something else that was interesting and and that I was like, oh, I have to incorporate that part into uh, into the story. Huh. That's cool. Well, and and it doesn't start off sounding like a, a Christmas story, but it it ends up very much as one. In fact, it starts off in January. So Christmas has already passed, but it takes uh, a couple of years over, over a few years that this story takes place. Uh, but you didn't necessarily tie up everything. There is some ambiguity at the end, which I appreciated. I, I did like that. But what went into your decision to handle things that way at the very end? Yeah, I I, I like the idea of a story ending where the character sees all these amazing things and isn't quite sure what he's going to do about it. Mm. And then decides, I have to think about this. Yeah. That, that I felt was the best place to end the story. I've had a few people ask me, where's part three. So maybe, maybe that, uh, that idea of sort of ending it on a ambiguous note wasn't a great idea, but I think that's the only way I, I could have done it without it sounding uh, either, you know, too cheesy or too unrealistic. Yeah. Because I think I think a lot of people in real life have to, you know, when they see something amazing or life changing, they have to think about it. So that's that's what I, I, I had our character do. I, I think that makes sense. I, I, I if you're soliciting for opinions here, um, mine would be no part three. I think it's, I think it's perfect the way it ended. Like it's, there's not going to be a part three. It's (laughs) I'm I'm not returning to the story. I, uh, I'm not, I'm not calling all the actors and asking them to, (laughs) to, to record a part three, to, to, to just make those couple of, uh, couple of uh, listeners happy, but, uh, no, I, I, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm happy with how it ends and, uh, yeah. Well, I guess the only thing that's left to to address is uh, what what's what's coming in the future for the show. Are we going to revisit that western script, or or you got something else up your sleeve? I might revisit the the western script. Uh, there are basically maybe four scripts that are ninety five percent done, and I just haven't uh, I haven't finished them yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think there's a bit of a 
there, there's been a bit of writer's block. And so I sort of stopped one and then, and then started another one and then stopped that one and then started another one. And so, uh, so we'll see what happens. I think, I think the Western is a possibility. There's one I'm writing that uh, has uh, a little bit to do with uh, Vikings. That one might end up uh, getting made first, but uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a, a concrete answer to, to give you. Well, that's very unsatisfactory. So all I can say is get, get going, Ben. We need more, a bit of time travel. <laughs> okay. So- sounds good. <laughs> okay. Well, we're getting ready to head into the, uh, the feedback segment where we uh, hear from uh, some of the ATC community about their favorite Christmas audio drama of all time. So since I got you here, I thought, let's throw that question at you and, and uh, see what you have to say. What is it, What is your favorite Christmas audio drama, whether that's an Odyssey episode or or a standalone from from somewhere else? But uh, what's your favorite Christmas audio drama and, and why? Peace on Earth. Ah. Okay. I, I, think, I think that's always been one of my favorite Odyssey episodes. And I think it's still, it's definitely the best Christmas episode. Maybe second favorite would be Back to Bethlehem or uh, A Pokenberry Christmas, but uh, definitely Peace on Earth. It, every time I listen to it, it, I feel very nostalgic. I think the structure in that episode is great. I think just the fact that it starts off being about one story and then the second half is about a different story uh, or it takes place at the Barclays. I, I just think that's great. And it's currently sitting at number uh, 14 on your your top 150 list. So, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't looked at that list in a while. Maybe I need to to revisit it. But uh, yeah, I think that's a great Christmas episode for sure. Yeah, and and you actually have several Christmas episodes on your on your list. You've got Back to Bethlehem. Uh, it's a Pokemon Christmas, and I saw another one there a minute ago. But that's the highest uh, ranking Christmas one piece on Earth. So, good memory there. <laughs> The Christmas Bells is great too. I think that's a that's definitely a great uh, new Odyssey uh, Christmas episode that I think is just as good as a lot of the older classic uh, Christmas episodes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Ben, thank you so much for for coming on the show. I, I've, we've talked about doing this for quite some time, and and it finally just worked out. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. It's been fun. Well, thanks for having me. It was uh, it was great talking to you. Well, thank you, Ben, for joining the show once again. And just to clarify one thing real quickly, if you have not heard The Architect yet and you got a little bit leery about us talking about some of the characters being Nazis, (laughs) just want to make sure that it's clear that this audio drama does not endorse anything that the Nazis did. They are not lifted up or praised in any way in this story. That's not the point of the story. So I just want to make sure that that is clear but The Architect is a fantastic audio drama that is definitely worth your time, especially at this time of year, like we talked about. It is a great Christmas story there at the end, which brings the whole story full circle, just talking about the importance of family and, you know, every human's search for meaning in this life and the ultimate source of where that can be found. So just wanted to make sure that that was 100% clear there. And now that we heard what Ben's favorite Christmas audio drama is, 
Let's jump into the feedback segment and hear what some of the ATC community members had to say about their favorite Christmas audio drama. So, uh, what do you think of the show? Please leave your message after the tone. Hi, Audio Theater Central. Hey, guys, this is Austin Peachy. Hello, J.D., Roy, and Andrew. My name is Victoria. Now, yesterday, I received a letter from a big fan. No time to chat. I've got an email list. Another package for me today. No, it's actually just your mail. Well, I'm going to go ahead and kick this thing off. And because it's my show, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to share uh, more than just one of my favorite Christmas audio dramas. And I'm going to start with one that is an episode of an old-time radio show. And it is Dragnet, the episode The Big Little Jesus. And this is a really charming story that I really enjoy listening to. I just listened to it just a couple of days ago. It's one I've heard several times over the years. Always really enjoy the message of it. And I always have enjoyed the detective and police old-time radio shows. And so this one, it combines, you know, the solving of a crime, you know, with a little bit of touching Christmas magic. And it's just a fun episode that really helps put me in the Christmas spirit. I really enjoy it. It's, again, Dragnet, the Big Little Jesus. And for the uninitiated, the episode titles for Dragnet always had the big such and such as the name of the the episode. So that's why this title is kind of oxymoronic, The Big Little Jesus. But it's it's a really enjoyable episode. Definitely worth your listen. Well, next up, we're going to hear from ATC contributor Austin Peachy. So pinpointing my favorite Christmas audio drama was kind of hard, but the more I thought about it, I knew it had to be Lamplighter Theater's Candle on the Window. It's a story that I loved when I first heard it, and I still love it just as much now. It's such a beautiful, cozy story. I love how much Jess Hornell gets to act in this one. The character of Plaque is just delightful. It has some wonderful scoring from John Campbell. There's some good emotional moments, a little bit of heartbreak, but not too dark. It's just a wonderful, wonderful production. I would have to say me coming in second would be The Shepherd's Prayer by Richard M. Barry. Such a great, unique biblical fiction story. A story that has a great twist. Both of these are really, really great audio dramas that everybody should listen to. Well, I guess I wasn't the only one who cheated and did more than one, but <laughs> thank you, Austin. Those are both great selections, and I would have to concur with what you said about both of them. I've heard both of them multiple times, and there was a time where I listened to Candle in the Window every year for, for several years straight. It's been a couple of years since I've heard it now, but um, it's fantastic, as is The Shepherd's Prayer. And that one is a very much underappreciated audio drama. I don't think uh, as many people have heard that as as many of the other ones that you might hear talked about today, but it is is really, really good. And that's gone way back to the very beginnings of our podcast where we, we where we featured that one. So uh, if you haven't heard it yet, it's definitely worth checking out. All right, let's move on to our next voicemail. Hi, this is Alicia Hansen from Eternal Feature Productions. One of my favorite Christmas audio dramas is a gift from Audio Imagination 7-7 Productions. 
It's very heartwarming and sentimental, and it's a great reminder to not take your family for granted and to always cherish your loved ones. My family and I enjoyed listening to it so much last year, and we look forward to hearing it again. I would agree with you there, Alicia. That is another great, great selection. And thank you for sharing that with us. Let's see who's next. Hello, I'm Christian Manassian from Radio Theater Wiki and Henty Alive Wiki. And my favorite Christmas audio drama would have to be, hands down, Focus on the Family Radio Theater's 1996 adaptation of A Christmas Carol. What do I like about this audio drama? The cast... The sound design, the story, and just the way it does the classic story of A Christmas Carol. Now, everybody knows A Christmas Carol, or at least, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know A Christmas Carol in some form. But what I like about this adaptation, and why I call it the definitive adaptation, is the way they tell the story, the way the sound is done, and of course the cast. I am well known for being a big fan of the cast of various radio theater productions, and this one does not disappoint. From Daniel Evans as Ebenezer Scrooge, and from Timothy Bateson as a storyteller and as the ghost of Christmas present, and my one of my favorite actors in the radio theater series and in all of audio drama, the late great Catherine Kelgren, whom is a friend of one of my friends, Heather Heyer, who is also in a couple radio theater productions. So, in my opinion, the best and definitive audio drama for your holiday playlist would have to be Focus on the Family Radio Theater's 1996 A Christmas Carol. Thanks for hearing from me, and Merry Christmas from Radio Theater Wiki and Henty Alive Wiki. Hey, thank you so much there, Christian. You make a lot of really great points. Uh, It's... You know, it's a classic. It really is a classic Christmas audio drama. I've heard this one too many times to count, and it's just it's just great. You know, there's something that's so familiar about it because I've heard it so many times and because I know the story so well. I've read the book multiple times as well. And he's right. The cast, the acting is just it's just top notch. It's really awesome. And I think the first time I ever heard it, I may have mentioned this on the show in the past, but I think the first time I ever heard it was on the radio. Our radio station where I was living at the time didn't play a whole lot of audio drama, but they played Odyssey. And then around Christmas time, they would occasionally feature some other ones. And one year they featured this audio drama. And that was my first time hearing it. And you know, kind of fell in love with the story. I had already read the book at that time, so I was I was already familiar with it. And just hearing it come to life in that in that way with such high quality, um, it it definitely became a favorite. All right, well, let's move on to our next message. Hello, my name is Jamie Cowling, and my favorite Christmas radio drama is Focus on the Family Radio Fear Christmas Carol. The reasons I like it is because it's a traditional. Uh, radio drama that is played on my local radio station in my home state and because i like the story redemption the voice actors the host and the people that work on the show i have listened to both focus on the family of fear and adventures honesty for several years now and it's one radio drama i cannot miss listening to every christmas season hey you can't go wrong with a christmas carol thank you jamie for taking the time to share your thoughts 
with us. And again, you know, it's, it's a classic and we know that there are many different versions because we did an episode, an ATC backstage episode, all about the various audio drama versions of A Christmas Carol. But it does seem that the radio theater version is the, the fan favorite. Hi, my name is Logan. I'm calling from Seattle, Washington. My favorite holiday show is a newer play called The Gift. It was a beautiful story with great acting, fantastic music, and left me smiling when it was over. It's definitely a heartwarming one for this time of year. Thank you. Thank you, Logan. Appreciate that call very much. Yes, you know, here's another vote for a gift. And, uh, you know, I from the first moment I heard this one, I really, really liked it. And I knew that it was going to be a show that I was going to revisit. And I actually have it on my to-do list. And that, that kind of sounds bad, like it's a chore or something. But no, it's it's my list that I'm going to get to this holiday season. And I do really enjoy it. So thank you, Logan, for calling in and sharing. All right, next. Hey, JD and company. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays in general. This is Randy Strew, and my favorite Christmas audio drama is actually uh, an episode of Sherlock Holmes starring John Gilgood and Ralph Richardson, which is uh, The Blue Carbuncle. And I know it's a little weird. It's not uh, not a straight-up Christmas episode, um, but it does take place during Christmas. And honestly... The Gilgood and Richardson Sherlock Holmes is one of my my comfort audio dramas that I can always listen to at any time and be perfectly content and perfectly happy. And the Blue Carbuncle, you know, they've got the Christmas ambiance happening. They've got the the bells on the uh, on the horses as they go by and children singing in the streets. And, you know, you can almost imagine yourself sitting in front of the fire and enjoying some Christmas punch with uh, Sherlock Holmes and, and John uh, Watson. And it's just such a comfortable show, and I love listening to it in my car right around the holiday season and just letting my imagination take me away. So that is my favorite Christmas episode, and uh, thanks so much for letting us share. Randy, I, I totally agree with you. This does qualify as a Christmas story. When you're starting out kind of giving caveats, I was like, where is he going with this? But when you went to Sherlock Holmes Oh, yes, the blue carbuncle. That's a, a fantastic holiday story. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, and and a funny thing, this old time radio show was one of the very first old time radio shows that I ever heard. Was the, the this this Sherlock Holmes series, and they didn't do all that many episodes of this particular series, if my, if my memory serves. But I really enjoy the blue carbuncle. I think you made a great choice here. And I love it because it's not one that very many people really talk about much. So uh, great, great selection. I went ahead and linked that one in the show notes because I'm sure there are others who have not heard this. So it's a fun story. And and thank you, Randy, for sharing with us. Happy holidays. This is Matthew Warner from Audio Imagination 77 Productions. And one of my favorite Christmas audio dramas is Merry Holiday from Eternal Future Productions. Uh, It's such a well-done audio drama with a wonderful message throughout the entire play. It's a play that I plan on revisiting every year, and it's such a great way to get into the holiday spirits. 
Yes, that is another fun one there, Matthew. Thank you for sharing some really funny moments, uh, you know, in this one, but also heartwarming. Merry Holiday from Eternal Future Productions, available on their website and on Dramafy. Just a, a fun, fun story. And it's not super long, so if you haven't heard it, check it out. I think I think it's about 15 minutes, something something like that. But it's a, it's a great, great addition to your holiday listening. Well, I'm going to go ahead and share another one of my favorites here before we move on. And it is The Cinnamon Bear. I know I've mentioned this in the past on the show, but it was a 26-episode old-time radio miniseries from 1937. And it is about a, a twin brother and sister named Judy and Jimmy and their stuffed bear named Patio Cinnamon. And they travel to this magical Christmas world and they have all these fun adventures and they run into these fun characters like the crazy quilt dragon and Jack Frost. And it's just really, really fun. And I think what really just grabs me about this one is it was another one of those that I heard on the radio for the first time as a kid. And we were listening to when radio was with Stan Freeberg and every night they would play an episode of this and it just pulled in my whole family. So every night we would sit around the radio and listen to this show. So it's got a lot of nostalgia in it for me. I, uh, I know that it is a show meant for kids, but I still like listening to it even as a, as an adult. And each episode is about 15 minutes. So it is a bit of a, a longer show because, again, 26 episodes. But if you have the time, and especially if you have kids, this is a really, really fun show to listen to with the whole family, uh, especially if you got a road trip coming up because, again, it's it's several hours long. and uh, But it's, it's just really fun, The Cinnamon Bear. And I recently purchased the, the remastered version from Radio Archives, and the quality is so, so good in this one. They even have some bonus materials, like some of the songs from this, because it is sort of a musical. They, uh, they have broken out the songs into separate tracks, and then there's some other bonus content. And it's only a, a, you know, it's only a few bucks to grab this. But The Cinnamon Bear is one of my all-time favorite Christmas audio dramas that uh, I think you should check out if you haven't before. All right. All right. Well, back to the phone lines. Let's see. What's my favorite Christmas episode? Oh, I know. Gifts of Madge and Guy. <laughs> Hi, this is Chris. I mean, Madge. I mean, Chris. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> oh, thank you, Madge, or Chris, for sharing that with us. Kind of kind of on the nose there, kind of expected from, from you, but... That's that's allowed, you know. That's that's totally fine. <laughs> oh goodness! And you know, I mentioned classics earlier, talking about a Christmas Carol. I mean, the Imagine Guy episode is definitely a classic in the realm of AIO. I mean, it's such an iconic episode. So I'm glad that somebody gave it a mention today. <laughs> okay, well, we have one more voicemail. This is Bethany Baldwin calling from South Carolina to talk about my favorite Christmas audio drama, which is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from Focus on the Family Radio Theater. 
I've always loved Narnia, but the version I've enjoyed multiple times is the audio one. It just never gets old. It has a powerful message rife with allegory. Christmas is a significant moment in the story, representing the ending of a decades-long winter and thus heralding coming spring and new life. So it kind of ties the Christmas story in with resurrection in the end. Full of wonderful performances and excellent production quality, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a story I can listen to over and over again, and that's one of the reasons it's my favorite. Hey, that's a great selection. And I think that qualifies for sure as a Christmas story, even though the majority of it, it doesn't necessarily take place around Christmas. There is definitely some Christmas elements. Of course, Father Christmas shows up in the story. So uh, thank you, Bethany, for sharing your thoughts on The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And we did just recently do a review on the podcast of that production. So if you haven't heard that yet, go ahead and hop back a few episodes and check that out. Well, thank you to every single one of you who called in and shared your thoughts about your favorite Christmas audio dramas. This has been a lot of fun to hear your voice. And that's really really what I wanted was to be able to have you be a part of the show in that way. But there were a couple of you who didn't read the brief, so to speak, and just posted a comment. So I'm going to go ahead and share those as well. But for those of you who did take the time to, to call in, I really, really appreciate that. But first up is Emily Crabb. She said her favorite is Peace on Earth from Adventures in Odyssey. She said that was the first AIO she ever heard, and it's the most nostalgic. So that is a fantastic selection, of course. Great AIO episode. Olivia, she said, my favorite is Gifts for Imagine Guy from Adventures in Odyssey. Didn't share why, but you you know, I think Chris kind of let us know why. It's because those characters were so fun and it's a it's a wonderful twist on a classic piece of literature, you know, O. Henry's works. He's very well known for his extremely well-crafted short stories. So you can't go wrong with using some material like that and the AIO script just turns it in a completely different direction with all the added comedy and stuff. And so just a, a wonderful, wonderful episode. And the last one is from the username Wadfam Chalksad. And this is an AIO fan page. And they said a Christmas conundrum from AIO is their favorite Christmas audio drama. That is another one that's a that's a classic. I think any long-term AIO listener is familiar with that one. Uh, but if you're newer to AIO and you haven't heard that one, yeah, you got to go listen to that one. It's just, you know, it's it's the core cast of the show there. Just having fun, holiday mix-ups, and it's, it's just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful episode. Of course, there are many other Adventures in Odyssey Christmas episodes that we could talk about here. But I think those were good representatives of some of the top ones from the show. And now I'm going to share with you my top favorite Christmas audio drama. Now, this one may surprise you a little bit, and it may not. Because this is not necessarily the highest quality audio drama. And maybe not even the best acting. But there is something that is just so lovely about this story, and that is Treasures of the Snow from Moody Radio, their adaptation of the Patricia St. John novel. 
And this story is just so beautiful. It is some, There's something about it that just says Christmas to me. Every single year, I love listening to this. I've talked about this on the show before. I grew up listening to this nearly every year. As a young child in the Midwest, the radio station there would play this every single Christmas season. And, you know, it's broken up into multiple episodes and they would play one every night. And this was years before I ever heard the Cinnamon Bear. So I was I was quite a bit younger and I just loved this story. And I think I've told this on the show before, but I have a very vivid memory of we were heading to a Christmas banquet at a, a church in a neighboring town one year, and we had to drive quite a ways, and it was at night, or I should say it was at least already dark, because we all know that it gets darker earlier in the wintertime, and we were listening to one of the episodes of this on the radio as we were driving, and there was a snowstorm going on, visibility was very, very low, and so it's dark, snow swirling around on the road and in front of us, very hard to see. We're listening to this Christmas story and the radio station was kind of going in and out because we were traveling through some kind of remote forest areas as we were driving to this other town. The whole family is in the minivan. We're all bundled up because it's cold outside and we're listening to this Christmas story and there's just something about that in my mind today is that I, I look back on that memory with such fondness. And uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I just love this story so much. But it is also just a really good story. And I was so, so thankful when a few years ago, one of our listeners reached out and said, hey, you can now grab this uh, audio drama. Moody is allowing, allowing people to download it. I hadn't heard it in several years at that point, and I was so, so thrilled. I've listened to it multiple times since then, and so I just want to say a huge shout out to Rhonda, who was the one who reached out to us. This was back in 2012, and so I was just uh, ecstatic, really, to hear Treasures of the Snow after all those years. So that is my top favorite. Again, it is maybe not the highest quality production values on this one. But this audio drama, above all others, really just says Christmas to me. So that is my favorite. Well, before I head out the door, just want to share a few little updates with you. And we'll start with some of the uh, changes you may have already heard in recent episodes. I've been trying to work in some musical transitions in the podcast just to see how that might feel and uh, find a song that has a line or two, or maybe the entire song kind of fits with the theme of the production that we're reviewing or something like that. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. What do you think about that? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Would you prefer that I don't do that anymore? I would like to hear your thoughts. What do you think about that? Also, I'm going to be trying to update some of the uh, segment transitions and uh, maybe, uh, you know, kind of freshen up some of the elements of the podcast here in the coming new year, 2023. So, you know, listen for that. That'll be coming up. And I've toyed around with the idea of doing a question of the month. And, you know, we did this, what's your favorite Christmas audio drama in this one. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'd have a family-friendly audio drama related question 
that I will toss out in an episode and then you can send in your response throughout the, the next month and, and we'll share that in the next episode. So we're, I'm, I'm kind of toying around with that, that idea, question of the month. You don't necessarily have to do a voicemail. You know, you can always send it in via text or email or comment or however you want to do that. But um, just have a, uh, having a themed question that everybody can chime in on is something that I've been thinking about. Also, what do you think about shorter episodes? Should I break these up? You know, over the years, the show has seemed to have gotten a little bit longer. I've always figured that was fine since it is only a monthly show. But what did, what would you think about rather than one long episode a month, splitting the content up into two episodes a, a month or something like that? No promises on that, but I'm just trying to think about how we might need to adjust things uh, as we move forward and how people are consuming content these days. So if you would like to share some thoughts on that, I would love to hear what you have to say about that as well. And the next change is a rather big one and not one that I am very excited about. In fact, I am rather sad to announce that Roy and Andrew are moving on from being regular co-hosts on the show. And uh, it has been a, a wonderful 12 years of doing this show with uh, with these guys. And uh, I'm really going to miss having them on the show on a regular basis. And uh, I, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to to them for... We're starting out on this journey with me, and uh, it's been it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful journey, and it's been a blast to to do this show with them. This isn't to say that they will be gone forever. Who knows? They might make an appearance at some point again, but um, I. Uh, Just uh, again, want to say thank you, Roy. Thank you, Andrew. It's uh, it's been wonderful. It's been a joy, and uh, so the plan at this point is to uh, bring in some rotating guest hosts. I'm uh, I'm not going to bring in a, a permanent replacement at this point. We'll see how things play out. I've already talked to a few people about being on the show on a more regular basis as 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 guests. You know, we've heard from Michael Schrader in recent episodes. I've uh, talked to Christopher Green about coming back on the show as a, as a guest from time to time. And Austin Peachy has been a contributor and guest host on multiple occasions. So I'm sure you'll hear from him again in the future. So we'll see how things play out going forward. But... I am still excited about audio drama. The family-friendly audio drama space is still growing, even more so than it was when we started the show in 2010. So I'm still pumped and passionate about audio drama and the next generation of creators in this space. So I'm not going anywhere, and I hope you won't either. I hope you will stick around and continue listening to ATC continue supporting what we're trying to do here and just sharing our love for for audio drama. 
I want to thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for sticking around for another year as we wrap up 2022. I would like to ask you to share ATC with a friend so we can grow this community. The more we grow it, the more people are participating and the more we'll be able to do with this platform. And so I just want to continue bringing good content, talking about what is going on in the space and sharing opinions about releases as they come out. That is not going to be changing. So again, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for for sharing the podcast and the, and the website. And I just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Go listen to some amazing Christmas audio drama because there's a lot of it out there, as you have heard on this episode. Well, if you would like to get in touch with me regarding any of these questions that I posed just a few moments ago, head over to audiotheatercentral.com slash contact. All the different ways to get in touch are listed there. Love to hear from you. I tend to say that in every episode, but I really do love hearing from you. I read every single email, every text message that comes in, every comment that happens on the blog. And so your feedback does make it through and it does impact the content for the show. So thank you. Show notes with links to all that we discussed and talked about on this episode is at audiotheatercentral.com slash 174. And I will see you next time. That's it for 2022. I'll see you in 2023. Merry Christmas and thanks for listening. Hello, this is Glenn Haskell from Kansas. Audio Theater Central is a production of Porchlight Family Media. The theme music was composed by Sam Avendano. The show is produced and edited by J.D. Sutter. Find the website at audiotheatercentral.com. Porchlight Family Media. Your source for family-centered content. Porchlightfamilymedia.com.